0: Let's pray as we get started. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing. God, we are just amazed that you are a global God. You are working all over the world. And as that video just briefly represented, God, that just a small part of what you're doing there in Kenya, and God, it's a privilege and a joy to be a part of it. And God, I pray that our hearts and minds would be expanded today as we have the opportunity to open your word and to hear it preached. I pray that you'd open our eyes, open our ears. We know that your word never returns void, but we need you to help us to understand it. So I pray that you would do that today. You would give us understanding. And God, I pray that you would honor it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, what uh, amazing trip. I'll tell you more about it there. You saw some of the video clips. We'll kind of circle back uh, midway through the message and show you a couple more things and explain a couple things. Uh, But we're in the second week of this series called Blessed. If you weren't here last weekend, the first message is online. I would highly encourage you to go see that because we've been talking about what it really means to be blessed. And so we're going to continue that conversation today. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Genesis chapter 12. that's where we're going to hang out for a little bit, and that's kind of the key verse for our series where we uh, started last week. we're going to pick right back up there. and then we'll go to Second Corinthians chapter eight. And so in the New Testament, that's after the Gospels, Romans, first and Second Corinthians. So we're going to start in Genesis 12, hang out there for a little bit, and then go to Second Corinthians chapter eight. In Genesis chapter 12, we see what we saw last weekend, that God came to a dude named Abram and said, I'm going to bless you. I'm gonna do for you what you could have never done for yourself, and we're gonna continue that, but, but just as a little bit of a disclaimer, I know this is time change weekend. You lost an hour of sleep last night. You get doubled up on coffee, hopefully. But I'm just telling you, I'm going to get fired up. I'm going to need you in this message, all right? So I need you to be with me. I'm half delirious as it is already, all right? But we're going to have fun together. And so if you're new uh, or you don't you know, know how it works around here, I may call, ask you to call and respond and, and be with me, all right? So Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a, what's that next word there? Blessing. Blessing. That was good. All right, let's try that again just in case you missed it. So that you will be a what? Blessing. Blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you All the families of the earth shall be what? Blessed. Blessed. Shall be blessed. That's where the series title came from. So God comes to a 75-year-old man, and we know from the area that he lived in, he was probably a moon worshiper. And so he is 75 years old, worships a moon, and he can't have kids. And God comes to that guy at 75 years old and says, I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation. And we talked about this last week. God loves to take people who got no shot of doing something for themselves and using them in miraculous ways. Paul says it in Corinthians. He says he takes the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Why else do you think God made me a pastor? Right? Some of y'all get that later, right? I, I mean, it's foolishness that God would take somebody like me and make me into a pastor. And, and so God comes to this guy and says, I will bless you. And, and, and when we say bless you when someone sneezes, this is far more than that. As we talked last week, Ephesians chapter one says that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And so what it means to be blessed and God's desire to bless us is far greater than we ever thought. But here's the key. He comes to him and says, I will bless you so that so that you will be a blessing. So that you will be a blessing. See, when God comes to somebody and blesses them in Christ with every spiritual blessing and they have faith, he does it not just for that person. Not just for that person. Because God is a global God and God is a generational God. And so his blessing, he wants it to come to that person but then go through that person. You know what I'm saying when I say that? He he wants us to be a conduit. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. And that's the journey that God has taken Abraham on. At this point in time, it's Abram later. I told you he changed his name to Abraham. So he comes to him and says, go. So Abram has got a choice to make. I mean, as far as we know, this is the first encounter God has with him. Is he going to go? Is he going to leave his father's house? Is he going to leave everything he knows? Is he going to leave all of his friends, leave all of his stuff and take his wife and and they're going, and I love how God, to the land I will show you. Which one is it? I'll show you. I'll show you. You just go. All right, God. Following God's a lot like driving at nighttime. You just go with what you can see. And then when you get there, you'll see more, right? I'll show you. So, so check this Abram, in, in Hebrews 11, tells us later he has faith, and it's his faith that is credit to him as righteousness. It's because he trusted God in the promise when he said, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. So Abram goes, he goes on a journey, he travels. The word there, go, literally means to travel, go to a new destination. And that's what I want us to see. God is taking all of us on a journey. He's taking all of us on a journey from where we are to where he wants us to be. And so he says, I'm gonna bless you and the destination of this journey is you being a blessing. And I love how he said, all the families of the earth in you shall be blessed. Wow. What a journey dude who didn't have kids. And now all the families of the earth are blessed because of him. And that's what I want us to see. God's taken us all on a journey, not in, just in faith and trusting him, but also on what we call a generosity journey. God is taking us on a journey where he starts with showing us how generous he is to us in Christ. And the destination on that journey is us being a blessing, us being like Christ, us being more generous. And that's the journey that all of us have to decide today whether or not we're gonna go on that journey. But I wanna encourage you before we move over to 2 Corinthians chapter eight. With this metaphor of a journey, I think it's so appropriate because when you talk about a journey, you're recognizing I'm not where I need to be yet. I'm not there yet. I'm in process and and that's so comforting to me and I've said this before and I think you guys think I'm joking when I say it, but I mean it, I'm for real. I'm 39 and I thought I'd be a lot more mature than I am now. I mean, I seriously did. When I trusted Christ at 12, I thought 39-year-olds were so mature, right? I'm going to turn 40 this year, September 12th, might want to write it date, uh, down. That's a great date. Don't forget that. And so I'm getting into the next decade, and that's how you know you're old, because you start referring to things as decades, like my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, right? And I thought I'd be further along than I am right now. I didn't think I'd still be struggling with some of the th- same things I was struggling with when I was 12. But you know what I love about this? I'm not where I want to be, but guess what? I'm not where I used to be either. That's the beauty of the journey analogy. Yeah, you can clap for that because you're like, yeah, you're not as bad as you used to be. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) That's what I love about this. Because I think a lot of us, we get so overwhelmed with what God is telling us, we don't know where to start. But let me encourage you. There's only one place you can start, where you currently are. I know that's like, you know, blew my mind with that one, Pastor. Ooh, man. You can only start where you are. And I think so often in churches, we're afraid to be honest about where we are. I mean, <laughs> we forget. He worshiped the moon. That's where he started. And now he ends blessing all families on the earth. So don't knock where you are. Wherever you are, start there. And God will bless you. And he will bless you and take you on this journey so that you can be a blessing. Now flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to go from verse 1 down to verse 9. We're going to spend the rest of our time there. You know it's going to be good because I'm already sweating. We're just getting started, baby. All right. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Now, I'll read part of this, and then I'll explain it to you. Paul says this, again, it's after the Gospels, after Romans, first, second Corinthians. We say first and second, a lot of people in the world say one Corinthians, two Corinthians, and Trump got made fun of that when he did it, but most people in the world say it like that. So second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one, Paul says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given. Now, that's an important word. He said, the grace of God, the goodness of God, the gifts of God that has been given. God is a giver. God is generous. None of us would be here if it were not for God. So he said, I want you to know about the grace of God given among the churches of Macedonia. Now, Macedonia is not you know, down here off East Cherokee. That's an area there that include, I mean, it is, I'm not knocking it. It's got good restaurants there too. And uh, Mexican one's pretty good. We went there last Sunday, uh, just FYI. Maybe they'll give me a free dinner for just like, give them a shout out. I didn't do that in the other services. Must mean I'm hungry. But here's the thing. In there, Macedonia had included the churches of Philippi, which he wrote the letter to the Philippians, and Thessalonica, which he wrote two letters to the Thessalonians. So those are the churches he's talking about. Now look at verse two. For in a severe test of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, let's stop and talk here for a second, because you may not all love math like I do. I've said this before. I love math. And the reason why I love math is because it's objective. Two plus two equals? Four. Three plus three equals? Okay. Like half of you, you're like, I think it's six, right? It's objective. Here's the thing. Two plus two is four. I don't care how you feel about it. It just is. That's why I like it. My feelings don't matter. This is why I couldn't stand writing as a kid. Lindsay's a great writer. I stink it. I hate writing papers. And the reason why is I turn it in and the teacher's like, that ain't good. I'm like, well, that's your opinion. Right? Right? I mean, it's so subjective. What do you mean it ain't good? Made sense to me. So I don't like writing. I don't like all that. If you do, great for you. I'm not knocking you. I'm just saying I like math. But I don't know if you noticed it. That's a weird equation. Let me me break it down for you. He said abundance of joy plus extreme poverty equals overflow of generosity on their part. (laughs) uh, Overflowed in a wealth of generosity. This is when you're like, hold up, Paul, what did you just say? I don't know if you read the Bible like this, but you should. (laughs) Let's go back. What? Abundance of joy plus extreme poverty equals an overflow of wealth and generosity. You're like, it, how does that work? This is what I want you to see. The churches in Philippi, the churches in Thessalonica, and again, we know historically, they were a more impoverished region, but because the grace of God in their life, they had an abundance of joy. And that joy was so great that it overflowed out of their poverty. It can overflow anything, any circumstantial situation. Joy can overflow where it leads to a positive outcome. Because joy, remember, I told you last week, he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. That word there spiritual in Ephesians 1 means of the Spirit. And Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, and the second one is what? Anybody know? Joy. The fruit of the spirit is joy. The word fruit there means the result. It means the work of. So here's what Paul is saying. The grace of God had such an effect on the churches in Philippi that they had an abundance of joy and that joy was so great that even in their extreme poverty and that word extreme, extreme means rock bottom poverty. You don't get any lower. Even in that. That abundance of joy overflowed into a wealth of generosity on their part. Wow. Joy's powerful. And then he goes on, look at this, verse three and five, through five. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. Now listen to verse four. Begging us, earnestly for the favor, it's the same word as grace, of taking part in the relief of the saints, begging us, please let us be a part. Please let us give. Please let us give. Please don't let us miss out on the joy of giving. Now look at verse five. That's why I love the Bible. The Bible's honest. Verse five, Paul says, and this, not as we expected. Duh. I mean, a pastor expects people to come up and say, please let me give as much as a parent expects her teenage son to come up and says, mom, please let me have the joy of cleaning my room. Please let me take part in that joy. I don't want to miss out on the joy that is offered me in serving you. What mom wouldn't faint when she heard that? You ain't my kid. Paul says, not that we expected. Duh. Nobody expects that, but listen why it happened. But they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then by the will of God to us. They gave themselves first. They gave themselves. Notice that's more than they just gave money. (laughs) This is why I laugh sometimes when people are like, God just wants my money. Or anytime people talk about giving, the the church just wants my money. Can I just tell you something? God and us, we are not that shallow. We want far more than that. We want far more than that. You want to know what God wants? He wants you. He wants you, all of you. And I think it was Calvin or Luther that said, the last thing to get baptized is the wallet. It's the last to go under submission to Christ. It's the last one to get you know, baptized under and resurrected. But you know what that means? That means you're missing out. See, the, the church in Philippi knew something. He says, I want you to know. I want you to know about this grace. What did they know that we don't know? They knew there's a different kind of wealth. They knew that there's a different kind of of poverty. Back in 2010, when Lindsay and I first moved here, we were meeting at the conference center as a church, getting things started, and, and one of the very first series that I did, uh, a couple months in, it's still on the website I believe, called Counterfeit Gods, and we talked about idols and how money is an idol so often in our life, and I made a commitment, or I made a statement, to the church that day, and said, you know, as a church, we want to give 10% away. Everything that comes in, 10%, we wanna tithe. We want to, if we're asking you to do it, we wanna do it. And so, after service, a guy that I was getting to know, who's now a great friend, came up to me and said, hey, if you're asking everybody else to trust God, why don't you, as a pastor in the church, trust God, just go ahead and do it? Oh, all right. I hate it when people use my sermons against me. <laughs> um, so, after that service, literally, our, called our board members who are all serving. And I said, hey, well, let's make a decision right now. We're going we're gonna to trust God. And that weekend, we were given about 3% away. We made a decision and I announced it to the next service. Hey, we're giving 10% away. And it's been off to the races since then. And a part of that, a part of that, that year, if you'll remember, that's when the big earthquake happened in Haiti. And we were already working with the ministry that one of the founders of, comes to our church, been coming to our church for a long time, faithful family, a ministry called Haiti Sheree. And so Thad, uh, one of our pastors, we went on a mission trip there. And I'll never forget Dan Merrifield, who's one of the founders of Haiti Sheree, said this to me, and I emailed him this week to get him to say it again, and I wanted to give him credit for it. But he said this, he said, Jason, when we go you will see physical poverty. He said, but you will also see spiritual wealth. And he said, because there's actually two kinds of poverty. And he said, Americans who are physically wealthy come to a place like Haiti and realize that they are spiritually poor. And that's my two points for the sermon. I'll give them to you both. You can write them down if you're taking notes. We can suffer from physical poverty and yet have spiritual wealth. We can suffer from physical poverty and yet have spiritual wealth. Here's the reverse of that. We can have physical wealth and yet suffer from spiritual poverty. And one of those are really hard to see. It's easy to see physical poverty. But until, especially if you've grown up here in America, until you're in a country, in an environment where you see absolute physical poverty, you don't come face to face with the reality of, wow, these people are so much more spiritually rich than me. Because I'm looking around thinking they ain't got much to sing for. They don't have what we have. They don't... And we all start kind of feeling a little guilty, but here's what I realized. No, they have way more than we have. I don't need to feel sorry for them. We need to feel sorry for us because they have nobody else but God. And so they trust God. They're all in with God. If God doesn't come through, they're done. And so when we went to Africa, being a part of the ministry of what was happening there was just unbelievable, and not just because we got to see God working, but because we got to see the people, the joy that they had. We would, we would ride in a Land Cruiser and, and roll up to a village just like you know two hours away on the Land Cruiser, and when I'm saying two hours, I'm not talking like 575 and 85, I'm talking about for real, rugged, northwest Kenya, Africa going, I mean, crazy stuff, getting stuck, thorns. I mean, you know, wild beasts. I mean, it's nuts. And we get out to these villages and we would roll up and they would be having a church service underneath a tree. And even in the vehicles that they have AC, but they don't run them. So windows, you're hot, two hours rolling through dry riverbeds. And we get out there and what's amazing is they would sit us all in this village around this tree with these people, about 150 people, and they're starting singing and dancing, and they just keep singing and dancing, and then they want us, some uncoordinated Americans to come up and start singing and dancing, we're all singing, and oh, oh, oh. I think I'm in the target zone, right? Like tired, hot, sweating, stinking but I've never felt the Holy Spirit as much as I have underneath that tree. You wanna know why? wanna know why? Because they know Jesus in a way that I didn't. They'd experienced God in a way that I hadn't. And I'm gonna show you just a short 30-second clip, and I want you to see it. And it's not long enough. I wish I could show you more, but it's just, I just want you to hear the sounds. I want you to, to at least see and hear kind of as best as I possibly can describe to you what I mean when, when you see them and hear them singing and dancing. You guys check this out. What I mean. I mean, you can just hear it. <laughs> and we rolled up to the first one. It was in Kakiring. and I'll show you a picture in just a second. But because the ministry of serve going out and feeding people, they would they said this a hundred times. Food is just a platform to share Christ. So they'll go out and feed in these villages and then people come to know Jesus. Then they'll dig a well and the community is built and then people get saved and they put a pastor there and plant these churches. And it just keeps happening. And so we got the joy and privilege of building two of those churches. Because of your generosity, we were able to build two churches there. And they were waiting for us to get there to dedicate the building. And so we get there underneath this tree singing and dance for like an hour and a half. I mean, just like people coming in. And then they're like, let's go dedicate the building. And so you saw part of that. We all just kind of a crowd, a mob start going around the building and we're walking like or dancing and singing around the building. And I got to be honest with you. I'm thinking, are we going to Jericho this month? Are we going around seven times? <laughs> like, cause I don't know if I got seven times in me, man. We were just singing and dancing over there. Thankfully, by God's grace, we went a time and a half. When we get to the back side of the building, and again, you saw it there too, without fully understanding what you were seeing, we're all kind of gathered together, and we're all just praying. Some are praying in Swahili, some are praying in Turkana, I'm praying in English, people are praying in English. It was the most time that I've ever, I mean, the time that I felt the most like I was at Pentecost, you know, in Acts, where just languages and stuff happening. I mean, I didn't see fire of tongues coming down, but it was just, you could just feel the Holy Spirit. And then we all go into the building and the joy and all the things. And now that building is being used as a pastor training center. And this community is being built and people are being saved. The church runs almost 300 people now. And here's what, yeah, you can clap for that. (laughs) And I want to show you this because serve kind of played a trick on us. That's the organization. Look at this picture here. Lindsay and I didn't know that this picture was being taken, but that's the building that we built. I knew there was a building there, and you can see the grass huts in the background. I didn't know there was a sign. And so we roll up and see, I don't know if you can read that Revolution Church, Kakiring, Kenya. I'm, you know, my, even though my backside's not my best side, I'm glad this picture was not taken from the front side because I was bawling like a baby. I mean, just like weeping. And then my beautiful wife comes up and she's got the ugly cry, right? I mean, she didn't even got mascara on, but she got mascara running. Like, I mean, it's coming deep, you know. And we just sat there, bawling our eyes out, looking at what God had done because of your generosity in the multiply initiative. And I leaned over, yeah. I leaned over to my wife and I said, baby, it's all been worth it. Because I want you to understand something. And again, this isn't a confessional for me, but I want you to hear me as a person. Anytime a pastor or a church stands up and asks people to give, motives get questioned. We started a three-year giving initiative last year to plant Jasper praise. Guys, you know what's going on with Jasper? Jasper knows what's up. Go ahead and scream, yell Not you. Jasper, thank you. Appreciate it. They're clapping there. (laughs) And personally, Lindsay and I took it on the chin last year. People leave our church. People question motives. Why do we need to go to Jasper? Why do we need to do that? Because people in Jasper are going to hell. People in Kenya going to hell. And, and I gotta be honest with you, it got to a point last year where Lindsay and I didn't know if we were done here. And then when I stood and saw that building, the Holy Spirit moved in our heart. And I felt him say, Jason, we're just getting started. And I say that because that night we had a devotional, every, every, I highly encourage you to go on trips to Haiti uh, and Kenya as well. We're working in the DR too, trying to figure that out. And we would have a devotional every morning, every night. And that night, Jason Kemp, one of our awesome leaders in Jasper did the devotional and uh, yeah, he did an amazing job. And then Steve, one of the leaders asked me kind of what I thought. And I told him, I shared with the group that night. I said, guys, listen. Today was a life altering day. And I just began to tell them about what last year was like for us and a lot of different reasons, didn't go into details, but then I said this. But after seeing that, I'll do a giving initiative every year for the rest of my life, if that's what it takes. I'll challenge whoever got a challenge. We'll lead whatever we got to lead. We'll do whatever we got to do. Why? Because you see God do that. And here's what I realized. If I don't, if we don't as a church, then you miss out on the joy of taking part. We miss out on the joy of seeing that God is working all over the globe, the global glory of God, man. And he is generational. He's working in older people, younger people, really young people, really old people. You decide what those age groups are. I'm just saying it's doing generationally. And when you see that, and when you experience that, and when God moves like that, you're like, you know what? I don't want to waste another second not being in on what God is doing all over the world. And that's what I'm telling you. That's why I'm saying this. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And when you are a blessing, you are more blessed. I think there was a dude that said that one time. It's more blessed to... I want you to say it, because you don't believe me. (laughs) Then it is to what? What was that dude's name? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, maybe he knows what he's talking about. More blessed to give than it is to receive. Listen to me. When we talk about giving or being generous, it's not because we want something from you. It's It's because we want something for you. I want you to experience the joy that we saw. I want to experience that joy. I mean, it has wrecked Lindsay and I. We came back and Lindsay was like, let's move to Africa. And I said, well, I did tell you on our first date, and I've joked about this before, if you're not willing to live in a hut in Africa, then don't marry me. She's like, I'm willing. I said, I don't know. I mean, it's the Lord's will. My, my yes is on the table. He said to go to Canton. It's just like Africa, right? Like coming from Texas. And so... Um, Maybe we're just going more east, I don't know. But I said, you know what though, baby? I don't think that's what he's calling us to because he wants us to go back and bring, and it's not just the African people, it's the joy that they have out of their poverty to hear and fund what he's doing there. And so I want you to hear me. I want you to hear Paul. I want you to hear the Bible. The churches of Macedonia understood something that the church at Corinth didn't get yet, which was real joy wasn't found in all the craziness that was going on in Corinth. I don't know if you've read 1 Corinthians. Read it sometime. You'd be like, hold up, am I reading the Bible? What the mess is this book I'm reading? They were doing some... I mean, stuff that I can't even say in here because there might be young people in the room, right? You're like, that's in the Bible? Yeah, read it. And you know why? Because Corinth was an affluent area. They had everything. And yet, they had nothing. And the churches of Macedonia, Philippi, Thessalonica, had nothing what we would consider as being blessed, and yet they had everything. Let me show you a couple more pictures, and I got to move on. Next one, that's the other building. That's Revolution Church Tia. Thank God that was smaller. Um, I was willing to go around seven times on that one because that would have been like two on the other building. Um, but right after this picture was taken, and you saw some in the video, we went to a river. The people from that church, if they wanted to get baptized, there is no water there. And we were like, we got to figure out, like we got to do horse troughs here at Revolution. Let's get some water in some horse troughs but they had to walk about five miles to go get baptized in the river. We got the privilege of baptizing some of those people right there that are walking around that building. We show you another picture here. Of course, the really good looking one in the middle. And, um, but on the outsides, to my right is Steve, to my left is Jim, those guys are the leaders of SERV, who both go to church here. To my right is a guy named Pastor Jackson. No one really knows how old he is, but he's got more energy than the rest of us. This guy pastors that church there. And as Serve was going out to these villages, this guy just kept showing up. And they're like, How does he get here? This is like two hours away in a land cruiser. And they say, Oh, he walks all night. He just walks all night to meet you there. And he's raising up pastors. So Serve bought him, yeah. serve so bought him a motorcycle. It's awesome. I may or may not have gotten to ride it in the desert. And um, that was cool. But he's raising up pastors, planting new churches. The guy to my left is Moses. He runs the orphanage that serve has there in Lodwar called the House of Hope. And he's the dude who put up the sign, got his Land Cruiser ladder on the top, riveting it into buildings one of the most amazing dudes I know. Let me show you another picture. That's my beautiful wife there feeding kids because of your generosity over 50,000 meals. Let me show you this last one. This is a city, and I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but Yete, which we had to get three hours out. We're almost to the Ugandan border. Three hours in a land cruise. I mean, I told Steve that day that We did the least that day, but I was the most tired because you're just getting beat up. They just went out there a little over a year ago, a couple people, now there's a church, that guy that's in the plaid shirt there's the pastor and there was about 150 people there when we showed up. I want you to see what's in the middle. There's that yellow kind of two, you know, the container thing. That's what they buy cooking oil in and then after that they use it to walk five to 10 miles to get their water. So you would see little kids with it on their head, wives with it on their head, walking miles just to get water. But I wanna call your attention to the thing on the top, there's a basket. And you see the guy's hand going to it? This was one of the poorest communities that we went to. And this is the time after all their singing and worship that they did their offering. They had a giving time. And they had a basket just like this one that I have, with a little slit in the top, and they were putting in what they had. I'm like that's what Jesus meant when he talked about the widow's mite. So we went to a basket market afterwards and I just had to get one of these baskets because I never wanted to forget that moment. And it just so happened on the front. Can you see that? An M for Multiply. And I thought, wow, God, you are multiplying your grace all over the world. And if those people can get it, surely we can. Surely. It's the same God. Same God you read about in the Bible is the same God that saved you. The same miracles he did in the Bible he can do in you and with you. I mean, God, I mean, I was going to break out in song, but you don't want that to happen. All right. <laughs> but, but I want you to see this. And, and, and that's why, man, and I got to hurry I mean, you lost sleep anyway, so who cares, right? And so I want you to see this joy. I want you to experience this because next time you come into church, I don't want you to be like, "Eh, when do I get to sit? Come on, man, get a little joy in it. I mean, I'm not going to break it down either. I could, but I won't. Um, Girl, all right. um, it's, It's high time, church. I mean, come on. Hell is hot, Jesus is real, and we ain't got time. Maybe what we're seeing in our culture today is the church's fault. Because the world is like, why do I want what y'all got? Jesus hadn't told your face that you got any joy. But our joy is so circumstantial. Man. All right, next two verses. I got to go. Verse 7 and 8. Look at 2 Corinthians 8. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I love how the NIV says it, in this grace of giving. This act of grace and that word there, excel, means abundance. He says, as you have abundance in faith, as you have abundance in speech, as you have abundance in knowledge, if you have abundance, abundance I can't even continue that thought, uh, in earnestness, in love, have it also in giving. And that's what I want us to see. See, no one would question the motive of a person that says, I want abundance for you in faith. I want abundance for you in knowledge. I want abundance for you in earnestness. But when we start talking generosity, like, hmm, this is a No. God has so much more for you. Verse eight, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Because love is not genuine if it's not generous. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You know what? I'd have a lot more money if it wasn't for my kids. The average stat says, Raising a kid, kids in the room hear me, cost a parent $250,000 over their life. Man, I'd be rich if it were not for my kids. I used to tell teenagers all the time, your parents used to be cool until you came along. They also used to be wealthy. <laughs> but, but you know what? What would I rather have, the money or my kids? I can't love them without being generous to them. That's how it works. We know this. And that's what God did with you. God couldn't love you without Him being generous to you. And that's what the gospel is God being generous to you by giving you the greatest gift He could have ever given you, which was Jesus. Look at verse nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. So we don't tend to think like this. But Jesus was rich. The Bible says God is rich in mercy, rich in love. He was also rich in relationship, as we talked about last week. Jesus, by Jesus, we get adopted back into God's family, He left that riches for us and yet for our sake became poor. That's the gospel. And here's all I'm saying to you and we're done. When you get the gospel, you get how generous God has been to you, you will have zero problem being generous. So let me ask you a question. For whose sake are you willing to become poor? Listen, it's not a sin to have wealth. It's a sin to hoard it. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being so generous to us. I can't imagine what it must have been like to watch your son suffer. There is no greater pain but yet you were willing. And what's crazy is Philippians 2 says that Jesus did it for the joy set before him. The only way Jesus could do what he did is the joy of knowing that he was getting God's kids back. God, you've been so generous to us. And I pray right now, if there's anybody in the house or watching or listening that has never trusted Jesus, I pray right now you'd save them. Nobody looking around or talking here as we close. Just give me a moment. Has there ever been a point in time in your life where you could say, I trusted Jesus. I had faith like Abram. And now I'm on this journey with him. If that's never happened, that can start today. So if you want to admit that you're powerless to save yourself and trust Jesus to save you, you'll be saved. So right there where you are, if you want to trust Christ, I'm going to ask you to pray with me to yourself. Now, out loud, we're not trying to embarrass you, but hey, if you want to do it out loud, go for it, I ain't going to stop you. But if you want to trust Jesus for the first time, pray this with me. Say, God, thank you for loving me that you sent Jesus in my place for my sin. I trust you. I ask you to save me. Forgive me. I give you myself. Now again, nobody looking around or talking. If you just prayed that for the first time, we want to know that. We want to celebrate that. Man, it's the greatest day of your life. So if you just trusted him, I want you to do one thing for me. Would you just simply lift your hand up so we can see that? Thank you, just lift it up, thank you. Leave it up just for a second. We got men and women gonna walk around and put a gift in your hand. We wanna give you a gift. It's a brand new Bible. When you get that, you can put your hand down. But then those of us who would say we've trusted Christ, I hope today you understand that God is inviting you into something. And he's inviting you into it because he wants you to have more joy than you currently have. He wants you to have the kind of joy that even in extreme poverty would overflow in generosity. And so if you know Jesus or you trust Jesus and you're on this journey, again, just admit where you are. It's all right. And then by the grace of God, take your next step. Whatever that step is in your generosity journey, if you're not tithing or giving sacrificially, if you're not doing any kind of joining God in what he's doing in the world, you got an opportunity for that. Next weekend, you have an opportunity to sponsor some kids. Lindsay and I, after we got back from Africa, we already sponsor four kids with compassion. And we said, how can we sponsor some kids with Serve?" So we're like, let's cut cable. Because sponsoring can. Kids, knowing that they're learning about Jesus brings me way more joy than cable. I'm not saying that's what you gotta do, but here's what I'm saying. I'm saying, be willing to look at yourself and ask yourself, man, am I spiritually rich? And then you just trust what the Lord tells you to do. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for what you are doing, for what you will do. We want to be blessed by you so that we can be a blessing. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.